Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly manga podcast where every week we read all of the chapters from Shonen Jump on Viz's website, as well as another collective volume of manga. I'm your host, Jeremy. And I'm your host, Kevin. And to finish out our Magical Girl Month, we read Magical Knight Ray Earth this week. Mm-hmm. But before that, we have some Shonen Jump to talk about. It wasn't a bad issue of Shonen Jump, I didn't think, but I was kind of waiting the whole time for something to wow me. And nothing did. I don't feel that way. Like, I actually liked quite a lot of the stuff on here. Let me rephrase that. I liked a lot of the stuff up at the top and still rather enjoyed most of the rest of it. You know, like I said, no- nothing really bad in this issue. Um, my bottom thing was still, like, fine at worst. I just was waiting for something to really wow me and I didn't get it. So we will start out with the brand new series, Candy Flurry, Chapter 1, Rainfall. What did you think of this chapter, Kevin? I actually really liked it. So did I. Part of it, I think, is that because, of, in part because of our Magical Girl Month, I finally went and watched all of Madoka, which I have been putting off forever because I have depression and got stuck on episode three. And anyone who's watched Madoka knows what that means. <laughs> I have not, so I don't. I, uh, I understand. Yeah, you should. But you should. It's on Netflix. It's good. I know. Anyway, but the especially in the color pages, much less so in the rest of it, the main character looks a lot like Hamura from that show. Mm. So I was primed to like this from the start, but I also think it is good on its own merits. Yeah. The tone is a little interesting. It It's going to be a difficult type route for it to walk, but I, if it can do it, I think this will be a very good series. And even if it slides into more towards comedy or more towards shonen, I think it can still be pretty good. Yeah, so one of the things that had me really excited about it was, have you ever read the comic Chew? No, but I am familiar with it. Okay, this gave me huge Chew vibes just mainly because of the food powers. So in Chew, people have superpowers, but they're all like food-based. Like the main character can, whenever he eats something, get like psychic impressions from it, basically. Yeah. Which, of course, makes he, like, he hates eating because, you know, it's like, if I eat chicken, I can tell, like, what the chef did to it or how the chicken felt before it died kind of thing. So he, like, he hates eating, but eventually gets roped in to become a a detective, basically, where they do the very gruesome thing of he eats the murder victims or pieces of the murder victims in order to figure out how they were murdered. Uh, yeah. I don't think this is going to go this dark, but just that that food powers and the like the dark, as, darker aspect of it, where it's like, yeah, everyone got food powers, and uh, they all turned into supervillains, basically. Yeah, it gave me kind of more One Piece vibes, I think, with the tone and my hero vibes, with the everybody got superpowers and suddenly the world is different. Well, the big thing for me was it doesn't have the my hero vibes because in this it seems like. Pretty much everyone who got food powers is evil. Is yeah, is evil, or at least indifferent. They're not like there aren't any superheroes because they had to have an entire new police force come out to fight these food-powered people. Versus, you know, there's probably people like the main character who are kind of just trying to lay low. You know, like I have food powers, but I don't like everyone who has food powers is evil. But maybe I was just one of the lucky ones to eat or to get the candy. Yeah, I just I kind of me my hero vibes less in like what my hero is and more in like what we hear about the my early my hero world being like right after quirks okay. were invented, everyone was evil. Gotcha. 
Yeah, because people there, there's a I, the plot is that there was a candy manufacturer that made 100 unique pieces of candy, and anyone who eats one of those gets candy powers. And the lollipop user destroyed Tokyo. And they're all supposed to be unique, but the main character also has lollipop powers. Yep. She's like, I'm not the one who destroyed Tokyo. I saw another person, because I was there in Tokyo when it got destroyed, and I saw the other lollipop user. They're like in a, a hood or a mask or something, so you can't. she couldn't really see him well, but she was like, it, it wasn't me. I'm not the one who wrecked Tokyo. Yeah. And a member of the Sweets Police, of course, transfers into her class and discovers her secret when she uses her lollipops to help him. Yep. So, yeah, a lot of good in this. Like I said, I think the tone, like it walks a very narrow line between humor and very genuine shonen action. I think that's a mm-hmm. very hard tightrope to walk, but if it can do it, it'll be very good. And even if it can't, I think the premise is fun and the like the fights with a lollipop look very good. I keep saying yeah. I want more female protagonists and shonen stuff, and this is giving it to me. Yeah, and I really enjoyed the thing with, like, lollipops are my favorite things. You know, I'll take an entire day to eat them. And at the end, because uh, the police force guy's like, yeah, I hate sweets, which kind of makes sense. Especially lollipops, those are the worst. And she, you know, lollipops are her favorite candy. And she's like, she when she smashes the bad guy, she's like, lollipops are easier when you break them into pieces, which just, like, works on so many levels. Yeah, I think it's very good. As far as I can tell... This is the first series that either the writer or the artist has done. Either that or they're using new pseudonyms, because Googling around, all I can find for them is Candy Flurry. It's totally possible that they're brand new. Oh, yeah. It's very good, though, for yes that. <laughs> yeah, I quite enjoyed it as well. Is there anything else you wanted to say on it? No. Next, we have My Hero Academia, number 309, Can't Be a Child Anymore. What did you think of My Hero, Kevin? So I I had a revelation after we recorded the last podcast on the ending of the last chapter, which with Deku talking about oh, maybe somebody's been honing their vibrations. He was talking about the earthquake guy. Okay. And how he, because like he got a hold of muscular and managed to like weaken him somehow, I think okay. is what, that, what that happened. That makes sense. Yeah. So I had that revelation was like, oh, makes a whole lot more sense. I thought this My Hero was okay. I honestly could have done without us fighting Muscular again to get this whole, yeah, it's the big three plus Deku and All Might working together now. Like, this is a weird, like, little tiny arc. I kind of get why he went for it. It's to, it's all to build mystery, right, of, all oh, what's going on here? And in this, we kind of get it where Deku's teamed up. Like, All Might is their guy in the chair, basically, and... Hawk's best genus and Endeavor are teamed up with him. He's left school. We get a bunch of stuff between him and his mom, a conversation. We get some stuff about his healing. We find out that the country of Japan is closed off to the outside world. There's lots of exposition here that I get why they didn't want to jump right into after the last arc. No, it. I do not. It's not that I mind the little tiny arc to go into this next one. I even more mind the fact that Muscular showed up for basically no reason. Yeah, it's just, if it hadn't been muscular, it would have been someone else, right? I I am totally on the same page with you on that. Like I said, I literally, when muscular got broken out, was like, oh, we don't need this. Yeah. And I still stand by that, but it's better to use an old character for this than to invent a new one and then have him beat beat immediately, I guess. I guess. This is the best use they could have had for muscular. I just, I agree with you. We didn't really need to see him again. 
I don't know how else you do this. I probably would have cut to some other characters is what I would have done here and then have desk. say them, which I guess is kind of what we did with the kids from the yeah. other school, but those aren't characters I care about. Yeah. But I don't know, like it would have been awkward for Deku to save kids from UA. Yes. So I guess that, that really is one of the better guys to cut through. Well, you could have him save some pro heroes we've seen before though. Right. And that, has implications about how he's leveled up. Yeah, that would actually have bigger impact more yeah. than just, look, I can beat muscular super easy now, especially because it was like, I can beat a weakened muscular because this guy, you know, managed to get a hit on him. The problem with that is all of the characters, all of the pro hero characters we care about are either actively working with Deku or are dead or are tied to UA. Yeah, I know a bunch are tied to UA, but it would be a lot less awkward for him to save some pro heroes like out and about as opposed to the UA students that cause like if he managed to save one of them, they would be like, Hey, why aren't you back? Kind of. And you could certainly do something where he saves Hawks and best genus. And that's the reveal that they're working together. Yeah. It doesn't even necessarily need to be like, he saves them more like he comes in to help. And yeah. not, like he still wins, but not like, Oh my God, they're going to get beat. It can be a just as planned moment. It can be a, they're yeah. acting as bait and they know he's going to save them. Or yes. come help them, back them up. Yeah, we could use Rock Lock too, I suppose. Now that I think I'm that's and that's actually yeah. I was I like, that's what I was thinking him. of. Rock Lock, the water guy that I know he's tied with Ida, but anyway, rampant speculation. Like I said, it was okay. Yeah, I, I will agree with that. I like the direction that we're taking, although it's very much a pivot chapter, right? Like you said, we mm-hmm. did a, a small introductory arc to the next arc, and now we're done with that. So now we have to see. What's going to head us next? Mm-hmm. Next up, we have Jujutsu Kaisen Chapter 146 about the culling game. Are you ready for some exposition? <laughs> yeah, the, this was this was a bit disappointing because, like you were saying, this was actually the way that they should have explained the culling game at first. <laughs> and, like, I won't say it made it more confusing because it actually cleared up a lot of stuff, but... Like, I still have a lot of questions, and I feel like this is a chapter that's supposed to be like, and now all your questions are answered. Or at least most of them. They they probably will still have some mysteries to reveal later on in the culling game. Yeah. But but I guess we find out what curse technique removal means. It's specifically removing your brain. Sure, I guess. That makes sense. I'm just wondering if that's a translation thing. That might be. That's super fair. We found out Megumi knows he's the head of the Zenning clan now. So I did not think yeah. he knew yet. I didn't think anyone had told him. So that's interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, this chapter is also very much a pivot chapter. Yep. I feel like the Jujutsu Kaisen story leading in makes more sense than the My Hero one, except for that, like we said, they introduced the stakes in a really weird way. Yeah, but I'm still looking forward to it. Oh, so am I. This was just like not a, like it was very much a, let's explain some stuff. And I was like, okay, if the author was here and I got to ask him these questions, I would have enjoyed this chapter a lot more. Mm-hmm. Didn't dislike it or anything. So don't get me wrong there, but like, it was fine. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to say on it? No. All right. That leads us to blue box number two. You have to go to nationals. What did you think of the second chapter of blue box, Kevin? I actually really liked this second chapter. I thought it was really cute and it really helped deepen my emotions towards the characters. I mean, it gives the main character his kind of motivation right so it's not like a Mm -hmm. worthless second chapter the way a lot of i feel second chapters really flounder Mm -hmm. 
I also liked it. It was one of the few series this week that I thought had like a genuine emotional moment to it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just wrote a joke in my notes for me and I had to parse it and it's very funny to me. Um, it's, it's only for me. <laughs> I just wrote chastity crunches and I'm like, why did I write chat? Oh yeah. Because <laughs> he decides he's going to do 20 crunches whenever he has impure thoughts about her to try to help him get to nationals. Yeah, I I think it's it's very much a one beat chapter, but I didn't think it was bad. Yeah, I just end up not having much to say about it, unfortunately. That's fair. I also kind of have the you should just read it. I did really enjoy it though, so this was definitely something. Both this and Candy Flurry. I want to call it Candy Crush, and that's not right. Flurry it seemed like really good starts. Yeah, I'll so agree with I'm that. hopeful. I don't think we're getting any more new series. Nothing got canceled this week. Yeah, and we're back up to... That's 20. With uh, we, we lost two, we gained two. Yeah. We just had no One Piece this week, so... Yeah, that sounds right. That's I was trying to remember. Uh, I was like, wait, we were only missing one, or were you missing two? But it does seem like a pretty strong class. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have Mash All Magic and Muscles, Chapter 59, Mash Bird Dead and the Magical Maestro. Which is fine. It's just kind of more fight yeah. stuff, and it's not nearly as good as last week's. Yeah. It, it's not bad by any means. It's just more of this same fight. And like uh, we talk about mostly with Black Clover, but a lot of fight anime, if it's just a fight or fight manga, rather, if it's just a fight, it goes by quick. And then there's not much to say yes. about it at the end, unless there's like a yep. really key panel or a really good gag. And this is lacking that. Yeah. But I still like the, you know, clever way that Mashal gets around his one sound attack, which is to dig underground. Cause he's like, oh yeah, if you're, you know, under dirt, the sound effects are going to be dampened, especially because they're directed above ground. Yeah, and the idea that oh, the sound hits him from the inside is not bad. Yeah, I like that. I also liked, I think Finn is the one who's talking about it. He's like, but that means that Mashal moved faster than the speed of sound. <laughs> That's concerning. Yeah, like I said, it's it's not bad by any means, but yeah, no. it's just fight. Yep. Anything else you want to say on it? That'll bring us to Hard-Boiled Cop and Dolphin, Chapter 39, Farewells. What do you think of Hard-Boiled Cop and Dolphin this week, Kevin? I thought it was really good. I liked, you know, a lot of the build-up into the final panels of uh, kind of the transition between past and future, or past and present, with Orpheus getting pissed at the main guy and being like, listen, if I ever got my hands on you, I'm going to sock you good. And that's exactly what he does. Yeah, it just, it weirdly had a lot of the same energy for me that you said it had for you last week. Mm -hmm. Where, like, coming out of the flashback like this didn't super work with me. I'll agree with you, that's a good moment. And it's very shonen. It's bleeding up to that big punch. Mm -hmm. I like the idea that Murafushi killed the cult leader and took his place, but I don't understand why. Like, did he just go crazy because he found out he was eating mermaid people? Like, it feels like we're missing a link here. Like, I don't understand his motivation. Yeah, and I think we're not supposed to. Maybe. It just it feels like, what was the point of the flashback then? I guess it's for Orpheus, but it didn't really land for me in that way. Well, and it's also a bit of the, like, it doesn't reveal all of the mysteries of why the guy became the cult leader, but it does fill in a little bit of them. So I'm kind of fine with it still being a bit of his mystery or his motivation still being a bit of a mystery. Yeah. 
We still got some cool information, like, oh, he's actually Chaco's dad. Like, that's a big thing. Yeah, that, that is. It's not, like, a huge surprise, given the way the flashback was introduced. No. But it is important to know which one is actually his dad, and which one is his... Or her dad, rather. Yeah. But even back when she was... Actually, before she was even born, Orpheus was more of a dad than he was. So, I kind of like that dynamic. Yeah. Although I was pretty sure we were going to get like something like that again from the start of the flashback. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure we were too, but like that that's part of the purpose of the whole flashback. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, it just didn't really land for me. There wasn't anything Fair. in here that I was like, "Oh man, that's really cool." Like I I will agree with you the punch moment coming up is good, but yep. I didn't need more reason for these guys to want to punch this guy. No, but I just I liked it. That'll bring us to Mission Yozakura Family, Mission 79, Matokyo Kawashita. Uh, we find out that the bad guy is secretly immortal, or at least he's been alive since 1914, and still yep. looks cute and young. And has uh, And also, powers. he has Yozakura families that are not artificial, somehow. Yep. Or don't act like the other artificial ones, I suppose I should say. Yeah. Like a lot of Mission Yozakura family, I just don't have a lot to say about this. We're finally into the main, the, the thick of it, so I liked it a little bit more for that reason. But it's just more like, hey, deepening the mystery, who, what's up with this bad guy? And I think it's stuff that would have been better earlier if we set up this mystery. Possibly. I, I wasn't a huge fan of this chapter either. Gotcha. Interesting. So what, are, what did you think about it then? I had a little bit of like, yeah, it's kind of cool that this mystery came out, but like you said, something about it felt off. Where I was like, oh yeah, I also have Yozakura powers. Okay. Like, it, it yeah. just it didn't land well. It's so a it's necessary fine. escalation for this fight, yeah. but it's also, like, if they had been hinted at it all earlier, it would have landed a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I guess we don't have much to say about that then. Nope. Last but not least, we have Ayakashi Triangle Chapter 41, Suzu's Belly Button. What did you think of <laughs> this, Kevin? <laughs> Ah, uh, this was a fun chapter. It's not bad. I do like Shiragate being like, why is uh, Matsuri sneaking in here? That seems more like something Suzu would do to him. <laughs> yes. One of my favorite moments was uh, at the end there where Suzu wakes up and she's like, oh, Matsuri's <laughs> doing this? And she just goes back to sleep, do what you will. <laughs> Matsuri's like, like, yeah, go pretend wait, I'm wait, asleep. What? I don't see anything. <laughs> yep. Uh, just, yeah, it was it was good. I like that. Like you said, I like Shiragane being like, what is Matsuri doing here? This seems something like Suzu would do. Yeah. And also, clearly he's on some sort of secret mission, but I get pissed off when they're romantic, so I have to be an antagonist. <laughs> yeah, I that will do it for the stuff we talk about every week. Now we just have a jump card and, you know, everything yep. after that. Jump card is the segment where we rank everything in jump, not just the stuff we talk about every week. We have 19 this week, because like we said, no One Piece. What do you have at number 19, Kevin? 
that's where I put high school family. It's another weird high school family chapter where it just seems like a chapter of a serious manga, right? Not not quite a serious manga, but there aren't really any jokes. Well, like there are, but yeah. they're like jokes that like in a serious sports manga would still fly, right? Yeah, except the one thing that kind of bothered me was so they're putting him through the the super grueling training, and at the end the coach reveals, oh yeah, well this is the same stuff I put the ace through, and part of me goes, then why did everyone think that he was being super harsh? Like the way they were making it seem like is like you don't treat anyone like this, rather than why are you putting him through the aces training regimen? Yeah, that's fair. Like that that really threw me out of it was wasn't just oh you're putting him on the advanced training thing even though he just started that's kind of mean and it seemed like they were being you know like oh my god i can't believe you treat anybody like this i can no prize that as it's stuff the ace does on its own in addition to the actual normal training but i your point still makes sense yeah i have sakimoto days at 19 okay like I said earlier, it's not like Sakimoto Days was bad this week. It just really did mm-hmm. nothing for me. It went a little bit higher for me because of the poor guy and the bird. I, I do like that he's getting back, back in. Yeah. I'm like, hey, I can find them. I have a bird. Yeah. And like, you know, he, hey, I found a little bit of money. And like, you guys are a convenience store. Can I buy some? And then like, he gets roped into the the whole conflict. I was like, that's that's a pretty neat way of doing it. And I'm glad that he's sticking around because I th- think he seemed like a pretty fun dude. Yeah. We can talk about it when we get to where you put it. Where do yeah. you have it at 18? That's where I put I tell C. Same. I tell C is back to me be like being fascinated by it. So it's got that going for it. Mm-hmm. it. It's still not good. Like it's, you know, please cancel as soon as possible. But I am going to like get popcorn every time I read a chapter of it. <laughs> Until then. Like the love triangle they've introduced is like weirdly compelling to me. That was pretty funny. But like all the stuff they're throwing, like character aspect wise. Also, like the the beautiful thief being a girl and um main character girl, whose name I can't think of, which, you know, shows that this series is great and I really care for it. Being like, yep. oh, steal me, steal me. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> but eh. I mean, fair. Like I said, cancel as soon as possible, but I'm enjoying it. I- I'm gonna enjoy this wild ride of this manga just wildly taking swings at every like winging at things that clearly aren't even pitches as hard as it can mm-hmm. yeah what do you have at 17 that's where i put magu-chan okay um i liked magu-chan fairly well this week actually i i don't know just something about the the dance battle like to me it felt like rory acted weird i don't know exactly what about it was super weird I get um, that like feeling a lot that was... in chapters with Muscar. Like, she acts more like a cartoon of herself. Yeah. And so, yeah, it just it felt very odd. I gotcha. I have high school family here. Okay. I did like it a bit more than you, but, like, man, it's... High school family is better when it goes for genuine, but that feels like nothing. So I guess what I'm saying mm-hmm. is nothing is better than a normal high school family chapter. Mm-hmm. What do you have at 16? That's where I put me and Roboco. Okay. I actually, like, if I had been liking me and Roboco more, I think I would have liked this chapter more, because I think it it ended up working pretty good. Yeah, Like, it's a development, right? It's yeah. It's not one that, like, has to be addressed for another ten chapters if they don't want to, but it yeah. is an advancement of characters, and I think it works pretty well. That's why it went slightly higher for me. 
That's fair. Roboco is like a good genie in this too. Yes. Which is some of what makes it bizarre. Yeah, fair. Because like in any other chapter, if, if I were going off of past experiences, Roboco would have screwed it up somehow yes. rather than being flawless. And like she gives some, she gives some bad good, advice, but she also gives some good advice. Yeah, I was going to, I was going to say she gives some good bad advice. Like it's like you took it a step too far, but it still makes him think of like what he should actually be thinking about. Yeah. And, you know, the Madoka moments are cute. Yeah, the, the ending in particular, I think yes. the cuteness of it really lands. Yeah, well, that's fair. That's why it went very slightly higher for me. Sure. 16, I actually have Witch Watch at. I'm curious where you put it. I didn't think, like, it was an awful chapter of Witch Watch. Like I said, I, I liked everything in Jump this week, but nothing wowed me, which made mm-hmm. my, like, all mine a little off. But, like, the the major conflict didn't really work for me. The spell, like, I didn't find the humor in it very good i did like the ending where like let's bond over Yu-Gi-Oh, but it seems very like one of those quick gag chapter endings that we often criticize the thing i liked about it because it went uh, quite a lot higher was how khan became friends with like everybody in the neighborhood uh, that's not a bad joke but it, it didn't really get me i know just something about like because at first he did seem super selfish gotcha and just to see that, like, no, he's actually a pretty nice guy. Like, literally just something about ogres rubs him the wrong way, and even he doesn't understand it. Yeah. Was nice. I mean, that's fair. Like I said, it just didn't do a lot for me. What do you have at 15? That's where I put Undead and Unluck. Okay. It felt, again, kind of awkward. Like, I was just kind of, I guess, confused by the the story a little bit. Like, I, I get what's going on, but it was just very weird i guess with the the master like it it makes me even more confused why there's that one sequence of him like ripping his other students heart out or whatever the hell he was doing to him yeah i mean undead like i like i said it's very uneven Mm -hmm. i i I am if i say done with it that seems very dismissive like it could do something to really get me back but it's not i'm not hating it yeah it's just something that if we weren't doing this podcast i would probably drop it Mm mm-hmm 15 is where I put me in Robico. Like okay. I said, I think it just worked slightly better for me, and Witch Watch didn't work as well for me. I don't have more to say sure. on it. What do you have at 14? That's where I put Sakamoto Days. Like I said, I really liked roping the poor guy and the bird back into this, and just the simple thing of like, well, yeah, I have a bird. I can find anyone in the city. I also liked kind of the cuteness at the end with the, uh, let's go to the lab. Wait, this is this is the history museum, or or is it the zoo? It's a, hist- it's a museum. I don't, they don't okay. say history specifically, but it is a museum. Yeah, it's like, uh, this is the museum, and Sakamoto being like, I've been here with my family. I should get some souvenirs. Yeah. 14 is where I put Nine Dragons. I'm worried for Nine Dragons, most not because of its quality, but because it's been in the back of the book two weeks in a row, and that that's usually a bad sign. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think it's probably not taking off in Japan, whereas I really like it. I didn't hate this chapter. Like I said, I liked everything in Jump this week. But it just seemed like a very generic sports story. I do like the idea that the shortstop is like a genius, and the moment you start trying to limit him, he can't like make his great plays. But because he's so selfish, like he does not make for a good teammate. He sees the best play but can't communicate it. I actually, so it went uh, quite a bit higher because I actually liked certain aspects of that, so we can talk about it when I get to it. I think it's a good character for Nine Dragons, but yeah, we we can save discussion of it more for when you get to it. Mm-hmm. 
It just it didn't have a moment for me I really liked. What do you have at 13? That's where I put Mission Yozakura. I just kind of had that thought of like, okay, you know, reading the whole chapter, so. Fair. That's where I put Undead Unluck. Okay. Some of the, like, master stuff, despite what I was just saying about it, kind of worked for me. I thought it had a little more going on than what was under it. Yeah. What do you have at 12? That's where I put Jujutsu Kaisen. Okay. You know, it's just kind of that exposition pivot, and it's kind of like, I. this is should, how you should have introduced the culling game with someone, or, you know, you have Master Tengen explaining the rules of the game to Itadori. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah, and to us, therefore, instead of just yeah. being like, culling game. Yes. That's bad. It's like a tournament arc, I guess. 12 is where I put Black Clover. It definitely okay. was better than a typical Black Clover chapter. I like the ending, but like I always talk about Black Clover, I'm like, yeah, this is all the stuff you should do in a Shonen story, but it, it just doesn't have any roots to it. Mm-hmm. I'm curious where you put it, because you usually put Black Clover higher than me. I put it at number 11, so... Uh, oh, that's where I put Jujutsu Kaisen. <laughs> so we just swapped those two. Yeah. I thought Black Clover was fine this week. I, I didn't have the moment that, you know, last week I really liked the moment of Demon Destroying Sword. And uh, I think he might have actually done something with the Demon Destroying Sword. I was, like, reading up on... It apparently has tendrils that can, like, cancel magic. Okay. That shoots out of it. So he might have been using that on the demons, but I just really like the moment of this is my demon slaying sword, and it just hits him with the first one. And this week didn't have anything super special. I thought it was pretty good, but not anything incredible. So what do you have at ten then? That's where I put Witch Watch. Like I said, I just I liked Cone turning out to be a friend to the neighborhood. Like, you know, he did seem like a very selfish character, but he's actually not. It's not that he's not selfish, but he's not completely selfish. Like, he was running around and helping people out and doing all this other stuff. And he's just a little, like, young. You know, he doesn't... He's out on his own when he's not used to it. Yeah. Town is where I put Mission Yozakura family. Like I said, I feel like it's picking up. I like this a bit more than you, I think, actually. Which is weird to say about Mission Yozakura family. I mean, we'll see where the fight goes, so... Yeah, I like the background. The beat was necessary. But like I said, nothing wowed me, and neither did this. What do you have at nine? That's where I put nine dragons. I actually really like the moment where the shortstop is shown to be... I really like the idea that he's so smart, and this will happen sometimes. It's like, you're so smart that you forget that other people don't see what you see. Yeah. No, I think it's good. Don't get me wrong. I, like I said, I like this for the character. I like that how it defines his selfishness. I just thought the story beat was like not that good. Okay, and versus I, I rather kind of liked it where it was like, you know, at first, yeah, why is he doing all of these plays? And then he like just calmly explains, well, yeah, if I had done this and he had done that, and then the catcher's thinking it through, like, yeah, that would have been an awesome double play, and that that would have actually been the way to go. So. And he only really started floundering when we started putting limitations on him because he it's basically he starts second guessing everything that he does, which, yeah. you know, ruins you as a as an athlete. Mm-hmm. So I really like the moment of like, all right, let's follow your lead. So, you know, you give us a strategy. Yeah. Like you're actually extremely smart. So let's let's follow what you do. And that'll be the best way to utilize you, which I thought was cool. I have Magu Chan at nine. I. Okay. I just thought it was funny. I thought the dance stuff was good. I like the idea of the chaos cult being reintroduced as a 
lightly antagonistic force. And I like that they are all like eccentric as well. Mm-hmm. I just thought it all worked. Fair. What do you have at eight? That's where I put my hero. Okay. Like I said, when we were talking about it, I just thought it was kind of, uh, you know, it's that transition into, all right, and we've got Deku and the boys working together. Yeah. Eight is where I put Dr. Stone. Interesting. Which I also think is kind of a pivot chapter. I kind of like the stuff with Stanley about like, oh, I can maybe have us win, but it's a huge risk. But other than that, it just seems like a, like the moment was already being led up to that last chapter. This feels not saying like filler is not generous to it at all, but it felt like it was just like, I was expecting us to cut to after the next thaw, so to speak. Mm-hmm. in this chapter. So this just felt like a really long beat to me. Fair. I I can understand that. It, that's not what it felt like to me, but... I, it sounds like you put it pretty high. So what do you have at seven? Mm-hmm. That's where I put Mashal. Same. It's pretty good fight. Nothing super special, but not definitely not bad. Yeah. What do you have at six? That's where I put the Elusive Samurai. Okay. I liked it. The ears guy being extremely weird with the one lord was really funny. With him just, you know, like, clinging to him, like, I shall show you the way. And the crazy eyeball guy being like, wait, you're being too formal. Was just a funny beat. Yeah. I I, I put it pretty high for for the same reasons. And then I liked the stuff with the thief being like, well, you know, well, shit. This guy actually tried to help me. And, you know, he's got a visible wound on his back. I can't ignore this anymore. I can't treat him like he's some spoiled rich kid. Like, he's actually a decent guy. Yeah. I got Ayakashi Triangle at six. Okay. It was funny. I enjoyed it. But it was just a chapter of Ayakashi Triangle at the end of the day, right? Pervy premise. Led to shenanigans. Yeah. Like the Suzu bit at the end is very funny. I won't take that away from it. Seeing Ryo again for a half second was nice. But like I said, I want Ayakashi Triangle to do something and it doesn't seem like it wants to. And maybe it just plummeted in the rankings the one time it did. I don't know. Maybe it did. What do you have at number five? That's where I put hard-boiled cup and dolphin. Same, actually. I was expecting you to put that higher than me. <laughs> I just like the other stuff more. Yeah, fair enough. What do you have at four, then? That's where I put Ayakashi Triangle. I really like the bit at the end where Suzu wakes up and she's like, oh, Matsuri's in my bedroom and just goes back to sleep. Do what you will with me. <laughs> and Matsuri's like, okay, I'll just leave now. <laughs> Poor Suzu. Yeah. I got Blue Box at four. Okay. I liked it. Like I said, I think you liked it more than me. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good setup. I still want to read this series. It was more sports manga, although it still had the romance angle. It's going to be mm-hmm. an interesting balance here, too. But I think you can lean either way and be fine. So, yep. What do you have at three? That's where I put Blue Box. Okay. <laughs> like I said, I really, you know, this had me feeling more for both of the characters, which was cool. So I'm enjoying reading it. That's where I put Elusive Samurai. I really liked all the bits you talked about. I also love the bit where the katana digs into the main character, whose name I can't remember, is back, and we see it get stuck Mm -hmm. on a tree, and that's why he is not cut in two. Just like the art on it was very good. Gotcha. In addition to everything you said. I I thought it was a very good chapter. What do you have at number two? That's where I put Candy Flurry. Okay. I, I thought this was a, you know, I'm really interested in this series, and I can't wait to see what becomes of it. Like I said, it gave me huge Chew vibes, which I absolutely adored Chew. So that's a, you know, a plus for me. Yeah. 
that's where I put My Hero. Like I said, nothing wowed me this week, and when that happens, stuff like My Hero that I really like tends to do very well. But I did gotcha. like all the forward momentum on this chapter. I think when we ended up talking about it, we talked about everything that came before a lot more than this. Mm-hmm. But like, I really like the stuff with between Deku and his mom, and that the he's teamed up with all the you know other big heroes now, and the with with Gran Torino being like, "Hey, don't be so stubborn. Sometimes the way to save somebody is to kill them." Was I thought yeah. really interesting, even though I don't think it's advice that he's going to take. He is named after Clint Eastwood, so of course Gran Torino would say that. <laughs> So what do you have at number one? So I put Dr. Stone at number one, and I really liked that Stanley moment. Him being like, you know, all right, well, I still have time. I could shoot the revival fluid off of the pedestal, which gives, and if it, you know, if I happen to shoot it correctly, I can get it to land on one of our guys and we'll win. But him just deciding, it's not worth the risk. You kids won. Congratulations. was just a really nice moment for me. I mean, fair. Like I said, I, I it didn't do anything for. Me. Well, I shouldn't say it. that was. That's the moment that's good in the chapter. It's just yes. the rest of it was so like, ah, oh, we don't need this. Uh, that's I, fair. I didn't think the rest of the chapter was worth the moment at the end of the day, and I think you okay. disagree with me. Yeah, because I like we haven't really seen Stanley. You know, he's seen them as at first he saw them as kids, then he saw them as uh, adversaries. And I think now he finally sees them as worthy adversaries. Like, wow, you guys actually managed to get a victory out. Congratulations. And so I kind of liked that, you know, progression of how Stanley has viewed the, the Dr. Stone crew. Yeah. And like my opinion of this chapter will be greatly changed. If the point of view we get next week is Stanley waking up. Cause that's <laughs> potentially very interesting. Cause why would they resurrect him? And like the situation where they make that choice is a super interesting in media res to go to. And it super yeah. justifies ending on this moment, but I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. So we'll see. I have candy flurry out one. Okay. I think this is a, a enormous potential. Yeah. I think, I think there are definitely pitfalls it could hit. Like I talked about, but I enjoyed it from start to finish. Really like the design on the characters, really like where it leads off. This will not be a chapter two. That's nothing. I don't think unless they do a really weird flash forward, which they certainly could. Yep. I just imagined exactly how this becomes a nothing chapter two, but the, they actually have a cliffhanger in their chapter one, which very few series are willing to do. Although I think part of that is v- most of them to get pitched as one shots. And so. Yeah, they're kind of a complete story, and I wonder if that wasn't the case here. I'm not aware of a one-shot version of this. That doesn't mean it didn't exist. Gotcha. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I hope that it is as good as I hope it can be, because it's Jump needs another really good Shonen series, I think. Yep. Because right now it's kind of One Piece and My Hero. Jujutsu Kaisen is kind of there, too, and I think many people would argue Black Clover, but I would not. Mm-hmm. Anything else you wanted to say about Shonen Jump this week, Kevin? Like I said, I hope i didn't come too down on it it was just i enjoyed everything i was just there wasn't anything that made me throw up my hands or exclaim anything gotcha there is something that's sort of jump related not to the magazine this week but i wanted to bring up now as opposed to the end of the episode i got i was scrolling through one of my news feeds and saw an article that made me laugh out loud which is from screen rant which i already know it's going to be very weird but it's talking about build king Build King puts Naruto's might guy in a Hunter Hunter world. And the article devolves from there. Yeah, I mean, that I can kind of see where you're going from there. Yeah, but it's just funny with... The timing. The time, oh, especially, yeah, because this article was written a day ago. And it's like, yeah, you should check this out. Like, the canceled, the series that's been pulled from the magazine. 
I also love that they were like, yeah, in a world that blows a normal occupation or hobby to absorb proportions like Hunter Hunter. I was like, but... But Hunter what? Hunter, it's not a normal occupation. Exactly. I was like, <laughs> there's only one crazy occupation, which is Hunter. You know, like, it's not like the chefs are super-powered or anything like that. I did recently hear Hunter Hunter described as an anime. Like, imagine you're just on Facebook one day, and you're like the master of Facebook. And then someone's like, all the true elites are actually on Tumblr. So you then you go to Tumblr, and you learn the ways. And, uh, <laughs> and you reach the top, and then you find out, actually, the true elites go to Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just... Part of me wonders, I was like, how much fact-checking do they do for some of these articles? Because, like, they had a thing where it was like, there's only 18 chapters have been unofficially translated into English. I was like, what? They, That's they've, they've... unofficially is weird. I was going yeah. to say that might be an old article, right? Like, they wrote it three weeks ago, and now they have a slot for it, and it's bad Possible. timing. But, like, if you're saying unofficially, then that does seem... Yeah, I was like, they they got officially published by Viz. I... I like there's unofficially it would be the only way to read it for free at that point, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I saw an article about how to cope when your favorite Shonen Jump series gets canceled. <laughs> which I think we we've we figured out. But boy was there shock when like e- Neolation neither of us gave a fuck about, and we were still like, Whoa, when that got cancelled. <laughs> yep. And now we're just like, please, nine dragons, hit a home run. Please have someone in Japan like you. We're yep. powerless here. Yeah. All right. With all that said, I think we can move on from Jump and talk about Magic Knight Ray Earth after the break. So we read Magical Knight Ray Earth this week by Clamp to round out our Magical Girl month. I kind of don't feel like Ray Earth is Magical Girl, honestly. That's obviously super pedantic, and it's one of the reasons I didn't nix it when you suggested it. Mm-hmm. It's by Clamp, and I thought it would be fun to do that and Sakura and contrast and compare them. And also, it only exists because Sailor Moon was doing well. Yeah, and there's... There is some elements of that magical girl, but it's not the Sailor Moon magical girl. It's more like it's magical girl in the fact that they are young girls who are given magical powers. Yeah. And also, at the end of the day, genres mostly just exist for marketing. Shonen literally just means four boys. Yeah. And this is, like I said, it only exists because Sailor Moon was popular. I shouldn't say only exists, but the magazine allowed it. Like the girls, like man, we should do something with a lot of RPGs because we've been playing those and giant robots. And the magazine is like, well, Sailor Moon has a bunch of stuff from Sentai that's for boys, so maybe it'll work. Yeah, I thought it was pretty interesting. Like one thing I want to get off the the bat is I really liked the editor's notes, uh, specifically the one about the translator's notes. Sorry, about so in the translation they're called Rune Gods, yeah, which are the giant robots. But they're like, in Japanese, it's machine, yeah, which literally means magical god. Yeah, but al- and also is machine. Yes, <laughs> and, they were, and so they were like, well, it was initially translated this way, and then for the re-release, we just decided to leave it that way, even though we probably should have just left it as machine, uh, just to 
not muddy the waters. Like if you were reading, you know, if you were used to reading it one way, I was like, I, I kind of wish you had left it like that. Cause like that pun plays on American speakers because it's an English word. Yeah. And like the magical God doesn't like, it doesn't play as well in, as it would in Japanese or Japanese people who understand English. But I, I did like that aspect where they're like, yeah, we just decided to keep it this way. Please understand that's not, you know, it probably should have been a dif- different way. What I was going to say is that it's very interesting that this is not the first isekai. I like bare minimum Alice in Wonderland is the first isekai and you can probably find examples of it before that. But I feel like mm-hmm. this is the first one where they're like, let's put them in an RPG inspired world because Dragon Quest is one of the major inspirations for Ray Earth. And makes sense. That's taken off as like such a subgenre now, right? I mean, we talk yep. about it all the time, but like when I think of Isekai, I don't think of Digimon and Alice in Wonderland. I mean, I do because I've trained myself to, but I think you're stuck in an RPG world. And this is kind yeah. of the first of that, but even then, this is talking about how it's different and subversive. Like, they don't have stats. They're talking about how, like, it's kind of more complex. I mean, part of it is I know where the Ray Earth story goes, and it's mm-hmm. more complicated than it seems. It's not super complicated, though. Like, there are more intricacies. It's not as black and white, I suppose, as it initially is presented here, and as those early Dragon Quest games are. Yeah. I also think it's very clearly Sailor Moon inspired in the way that the combat is. Like, I talked about how Sakura, by the same group, was so much better with its fight scenes than Sailor Moon is. They're well, way more thought out. Sakura has to be clever. Yeah. Whereas here, like, their first enemy gets killed at, like in like a blink and a miss at moment in a very tiny panel after Hikaru does her attack, which is the most Sailor Moon fight I've ever seen. Isn't the first enemy they fight... The one where she gets the entire full-page panel spread to shoot the magical fire? Well, yes, but she gets her attack Her attack sequence gets a full spread. You're absolutely right on that. But at hitting, doesn't get any play at all. It gets like a I tiny gotcha. half panel. Like, gotcha. You can read that, I think, and not parse that she died. Mm-hmm. Which is in part, almost certainly, because it's for young girls and you don't want it to be too violent. Yeah. Sailor Moon would have had them burned to a skull person, so <laughs> it, it's different than that. Uh, a skull person, a skeleton. Wow, <laughs> that's what you call those, right? Skull persons. Yes, I feel like the ones in Sailor Moon specifically are skull persons. <laughs> yeah, I, but I like the trio. They're pretty well set up from the beginning. I like that the main one is just from a regular school, and there's one from the smart girl school, and one from the rich girl school. Yep. But they're all secretly nerds because they all play RPGs. And or Dragon Quest was just the most popular thing in Japan at the time. Yeah, I like that. I like that they're all, they all, you know, secretly take weapons training. Yeah. I guess not secretly, but, you know, it's like, oh, I take archery classes. I'm in the, you know, I'm in the fencing club and it's like, yeah, my family runs a kendo dojo, so. So we all get weapons and two of us get swords because Clamp knows what the good weapons are. Yeah. I mean, like... I personally love odd weapons, but like it's it is really hard to go to fight against like the just the classical nature of the sword. Yeah. And the more characters you have, the more you can get weird weapons. Spears are always yes. good too. Yep. And they're traditional for women in Japanese media, though that might be why they want more for sword, because it's kind of more masculine and more action y. And I do think yep. this is clamps like Clamp does a lot of very shonen-ish stuff, which I think is part of why they're so widely popular. 
Mm-hmm. And certainly Sailor Moon has a lot of shonen in it for being such a shoujo manga. Yeah. In a way that like I feel like Sakura does not, just yeah. by comparison. So I, I feel like it's fair to say that Clamp is very interested in this fantasy stuff, and Ray Earth did well, so... Not not as well as their other stuff, not as well as even Sakura did. But their first stuff was very much like, I don't want to say shonen parodies, because parody has the wrong connotation, but it was very much like, we really like the shonen stuff. Let's just shift it slightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no giant robots yet in this chapter, in this manga, though. We They no. do find out, we, I guess they don't even find out they will be giant robots, right? I know yeah. they're giant robots, and you know they're giant robots, but... yeah. Although I, I like that as well, because it has that RPG progression feel that they're talking about when they're like, oh, man, our weapons will grow with us. That means we won't have to save up money to buy a bunch. Yeah, I liked that. And then I also loved the the armor being like, yeah, but at the same time, if you don't grow, your weapon doesn't. So you might, you know, sometimes it might be better to buy a weapon. So it, even though you suck, your weapon might be nice. Yeah. I mean, but that's shonen as hell, right? Yeah. That is Digimon in a nutshell. You have an emotion and then your your thing gets better. Yep. Tie that right into it. And the one thing that is super magical, girl, is they talk about how, like, the world they are in, Sephiro, like, it responds strongest to the heart. And the reason that yep. the princess being captured is bad is she had enough will and heart that she her praying for peace was enough to just have it happen. Yeah, I did like that. Uh, yeah, and that's super magical, girl, despite me saying this isn't really. Because, like I said, genres are all just bullshit, and they're meant to sell stuff. And Sailor Moon was very popular when this came out, both in Japan and America. So, of course, sell it on that. Especially in America, where uh, they the same people did Sakura. Yeah, well, like I was saying, the you know comparing it to Sakura and Sailor Moon, they don't have an animal companion yet. They might get a familiar. I'm not... Because, like, the... The one old guru had a familiar, so and I, you know, have not read anything of Ray Earth, but and they have the cute mascot character at the end, which does not feel as familiar as certainly not as Cerebus Carabos from Sakura, nor mm-hmm. e- even as much as like Artemis and Luna from Sailor Moon, which are more subtle nods to that. Yeah, nor do they have like they don't have a transformation sequence. You know, they're not like oh we're you know wandering on regular clothes and then we activate our armor mode. Like they have armor. Like, you know, magical girl armor, but they ju- they're just wearing it now. Yeah. And, and another thing to bring up, I think, is this is not early in the magical girl genre, but like I talked about last week, Sailor Moon shifts what that means. Yeah. And this is a very early follow-up on that. It's like if you read o- or early superhero comics, like Superman is super established at the beginning and Batman is established as a counterexample and everything else is the Wild West. Read some Stardust the Super Wizard. That is some wild shit. That is not what you would consider superhero stuff in the modern day. And I think Ray Earth is very much that. But I also think it's Clamp wanted to do some stuff that was similar in genre to Sailor Moon in that they were taking a lot of shonen elements. Mm-hmm. And because they were Sailor Moon was successful and that's what allowed them to do it, they leaned into some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's an all-female cast in an adventure story, so it's going to look like that anyway. Like I said... It's on a bubble and genres are bullshit. (laughs) Yep. Certainly they're taking magical girl elements without a doubt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know that I have much more to say on the first volume of Ray Earth. It kind of does have that shoujo manga problem of because chapters are super long, they don't collect into a first volume very well. They certainly haven't figured out that Shonen Jump formula that for good or for ill creates very good volume ones. Yeah, but I'm still like, I would be totally willing to, especially because there's 
technically six volumes in the thing, I'd yeah. be willing to finish this at some point. Oh, super, super same. I, I would have no problem with continuing on with Ray Earth. I'm, mm-hmm. I've read the entire first part of it. For people who aren't familiar, basically it ran for two years, three volumes, a year and a half, I guess, for three volumes. And then a year later, they came back and did a sequel that was about as long. Yep. Which Clamp has actually done a fair number of sequels. They did the same with Sakura, although it was like a 20-year gap between the Sakura and the sequel. So <laughs> that, that one feels a little bit more like they're playing the hits. Yeah. Whereas Ray Earth seems like, oh, we could do a little more with that. Yeah, I don't know that I have anything more to say on it, which is kind of too bad. It's very interesting to see this like nascent isekai genre stuff, because this became very popular because of Dragon Quest being popular. Ara Battler Dunbine, which is another isekai with mechs, was also very near this time. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to think, obviously, I think Dot Hack is an important missing link that super influenced the modern isekai genre. Mm-hmm. But I do wonder how much of this early stuff is stuff that people who are in that field read, or at least the beginnings of it, or if it's a coincidence. Yeah, if it was just kind of the reason they thought of going into the RPG worlds is that kind of stuff just became popular. So it's like, you know, the collective consciousness is, well, life in Japan can really suck. So we have this isekai thing where, hey, you get to go to this fantasy world where you're a superhero and... You know, you were just some regular Japanese kid that suddenly, you know, gets to be the hero and you get to live life just like your video games. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. It just seems like there's a disproportionate amount of it that emphasizes the video game stuff to me in the modern market. And that's very interesting. And is that because of Dot Hack or is that because of stuff like Ray Earth and Dunbine 20 years ago that the people writing those consumed when they were kids? Yeah. And it's it's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. But on that note, I think we will go into personality power level. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? Personality power level is the segment where we rank characters from manga from best to worst. At the top is Uzumaki Naruto from Naruto. At the bottom is Koku from Flame of Rekka. And dead in the center, we have Red from Pokemon Adventures. Hikaru Shido is the main character, and she probably makes the most sense to rank here, right? Mm-hmm. I certainly think she's better than Red, who we have right in the center. And Red is her color, so that makes sense. I don't know how I think she compares to the sort of block of shonen anime protagonists we have not far above that. Asta from Black Clover is the one I think makes the most sense to compare her to. How do you think she compares to Asta? I think I like Asta a little more right now. Like you were talking about, this isn't a great, like volume one doesn't seem like a great contained book. Like this seems like a thing of, it would actually be better to read like the entire first part. And then you just, you know, this is like, all right, well, this is our, you know, page limit. So here's part one, here's part two, here's part three. And there's not like much of a story structure because I feel like while I do like these characters, I don't really know next to anything about the girls. Yeah, like because they're characterized by their contrast to each other, right? Yeah. And Hikaru suffers the most from that because she's the normal one. The normal short one. Yes. We have Yuji Itadori right below Asta. Uh, the reason I didn't compare to him is I think he's a little low in my book. I don't think she's as good as Yuji. Mm-hmm. We have Rekka Hanabishi a little bit below that. I don't know that I think she's as good as Rekka, honestly, as much as we're not super fond of him. Fair. We have Ida from My Hero a little below that. I think probably worse than him. Yeah. And then we have Buggy the Clown, and I probably I don't think she's as good as him at this point either. Fair. 
So Hikaru Shida will go at number 58 above Red from Pokemon Adventures, but below Buggy the Clown. Totally fair. All right. That'll do it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. Our opening theme was Fighting Against One's Will by Midera Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fistbite by Tom W. Emerit. Other music on the show is by Spectacular Sound Productions, and our album art is by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. www.lastpodcast.com is our website where you can check out our other podcasts, see our previous episodes about Magical Girl stuff or Isekai stuff, though I don't have the nicest stuff to say about that genre. Next week's episode will be out in May, and you know what that means. It's time to read Shonen Anime, or Shonen Manga all summer. And we will be starting with Bakuman, like we do every month. Mm -hmm. Anything you want to plug, Kevin? Not this week. Have a great week, everybody. Stop.